Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. But this isn't just any regular podcast, right? Nope. It's part of our interview series. And we got another Oak Island personality online, and we're excited to bring them to you. Without further ado, here we go. There is a podcast about an island in the North Atlantic where people have been looking for an incredible treasure for more than 200 years. Hello and welcome back to Could It Be? An Oak Island podcast. We are your hosts, Deidre and Dustin White. Hey, how are you? You know, I am pretty darn awesome. How about you? I am wonderful. Like, we are very blessed to continue our, I guess we're going to call this the interview series. I, seriously. Because yeah, we have had some amazing guests on the podcast lately. And we're proud to bring to you another one of the cast members of the Curse of Oak Island, Mr. Tony Sampson. Tony, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. Oh, yeah. I guess it is it's more evening. evening for you than it is for us. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, a, I think we're about four hour time difference. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your day and your evening to chat. Uh, we have a bunch of questions for you. Would you like to answer some? Fire away. Yeah, that's why you're here, right? <laughs> I hope cool. so. All right. So um, I'll answer them honestly and truthfully. And if I can't, I'll just make up a really good story. Okay. That's what we prefer. I love stories. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So first off, how are things going over in Nova Scotia right now? It's uh, it, It's been kind of wild weather, right? It's been sort of crazy. Um, yesterday, we had like freezing temperatures. Um, it was zero or um, or 32. And then today, we're up to 16 again, so um, Celsius. So it's it's all over the map at the moment. <laughs> One day's snow, the next day's bugs. Wow. That's that's pretty crazy. Uh, so yesterday was almost look like you, you. we have this cool background behind you right now where uh -huh. we can see Smith's Cove and the Coffer Dam and a bunch of ice in the water. That's kind of like what it was like yesterday, but today it's warming up. Yeah, that was the, the shot behind me. Is, um, that was April last year when we were diving out there on the um, on the Coffer Dam. So you're diving so, in that kind of uh, water, water with that kind of ice on it, man. You are you're a brave man. Exactly. No, we're in dry suits. It's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Okay. Sounds cold. It still sounds cold to us, but you know we're not divers, so it must be a piece of cake for you, right? <laughs> what does your family think about you know your involvement in all of this Oak Island Stuff. going on? Like <laughs> it, it's got to be a little crazy. Well, my wife, uh, she's from here, so she grew up with the legend of Oak Island um, as a child. And um, for me, um, I first got interested in it, oh, probably 12, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I was reading some books on Oak Island. It's, it's just been an absolute blessing to be involved in it. My little girl, she's, she's 10 now, mm -hmm. so she's grown up on the island since she was three years old. She's been out there with me since day one. Oh, wow. cool. So. And the guys are phenomenal. You know, they treat her really, really well. So, Good. yeah, she's got all these uncles and aunties on the island. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, well, we can imagine that they're uh, everybody uh, on the show seems so uh, loving and caring about each other. So we can definitely see how that would be how it goes. So that's pretty neat stuff. So you've been on TV in front of millions and millions of people. You, you probably never thought that was going to happen in your life, right? <laughs> not no, not in a million years. Yeah. Uh, I've sort of I've done stuff with um TV before, but usually um on the other side of the camera. Mm -hmm. So dive work and underwater filming and that sort of carry on, but yeah, not usually up front. Yeah, you, you do a great job though. You're a great personality. Uh we enjoy seeing you every time you're on the show, so you're doing a wonderful well, job. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're so, and you bring a lot of you bring a lot of uh, what knowledge, knowledge, uh, enthusiasm. I yeah, think just, is a great. Yeah, word. you got a good presence, so we enjoy watching you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned that you've been into the the Oak Island history. You know, been into uh, learning about it for about 13 years now. Uh, so before that, you obviously aren't from Nova Scotia. What what was your life like before Nova Scotia? Well, I, I'm English originally, mm -hmm. so I grew up in the south of England, and um, that's pretty much where I got into treasure hunting when I was five years old. <laughs> so I'd walk the canal banks with my grandfather, and um, he used to probe in the um, mud in the canals mm -hmm. for stuff that was discarded over the old canal barges. Uh -huh. So you 
you would hear the clink, clink, clink <laughs> when you would probe down with a metal rod. And it might have been the port and starboard markers on a barge or an old copper teapot or something like that. So it's treasure. You know, that's what I first got into, like treasure hunting, was, was looking for that lost stuff. Oh, yeah. Then, um, we moved as a family uh, from England to New Zealand. And um, that's where I finished my schooling off. And then um, from there, I was I was in New Zealand for almost 20 years. Yeah, we've read that you were in the military and law enforcement. Is that right? Yes, um, I did. Uh, started off in the military. And my wife gives me a bit of a hard time. She says um, that I just like to collect the uniform. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I was military and then 12 years with the police and then fire service and then 10 years as a paramedic and offshore survival instructor. So wow. Wow. pretty much, yeah, and diving the whole time as well. You got quite the resume. No wonder <laughs> they wanted you to help on the island, right? You could do a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, you never know when you're going to need any of those skills. They all come in handy. I bet, I bet. I see the uniform collection thing now, though, like that. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> That's a good one. So then how did you get started working with the team on the Curse of Oak Island? Pretty much by accident, really. <laughs> I was, uh, I got a call um, from a producer friend mm -hmm. and they were, it was season one mm -hmm. and um, Marty and Alex were looking at doing a dive off of Smith's Cove and the Boulderless Beach area there. And uh, some of the gear um, they needed help with. So I went down there and um, took Marty and Alex out for a test dive. And then um, the next thing you know, um, I'm helping out. Uh, <laughs> took the boat out, took them off the boat. And I've been there since then, since day one, so, which was fantastic. It is fantastic. And we were re-watching some past seasons, uh, like season one and two. And I was like, wait. Is that Tony diving in the swamp? Wow. Okay. There's got to be nothing like diving in that swamp. Oh, it's not that bad, honestly, Deirdre. It's No, I mean, there's, there's much, much, much worse places you can be diving, trust me. Well, it's not, it's not very deep, right? So that's and something. Supers and mm. So it's, it's, it's not bad at all. I'll pass, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's I, a little I, bit stinky, and you get you get the odd eel sort of swimming around, and... and um, <laughs> But no, it's, it's not that bad. It really isn't. It's I, when you, you can get stuck easily under the roots and that, because uh, there's yeah. so much stuff in that swamp. So, you know, it might, you might go into the mud mm -hmm. and then you literally might start pulling yourself down through the mud um, by the tree roots and things. And, and that's pretty much how I got down to the, um, the paved area, the stone area in season one by probing and, and pulling myself down to that. Yeah. I well, that was just it. In season one, we're seeing you pull up these what looked to be kind of like flat rocks, and I had that aha moment of, oh my gosh, he was actually on the paved area in season one. Uh huh. Yeah, it was it was so bizarre because out there probing with the the metal spike, similar to what I was doing with my grandfather all those years ago, uh -huh. and you just hear the different sounds and feel the different consistency on the bottom. And then all of a sudden to hit the stones and you get that, that hard ping back. Mm -hmm. And then going off the side of the platform, you'd, you'd feel the different consistency as you went down back into the mud. Mm -hmm. And so even right back in season one, it was that odd thing, like why would this paved area be here? And I thought maybe it was some sort of road or um, way of uh, carting material either to or from that swamp area so you know an old stone road pretty much yeah. well it turns out you're kind of right back then because we're getting so much data right now of the past what four three or four months from the show getting all this data about how the swamp was constructed by man and that those paved stone areas were something placed for a reason haven't figured out the reason yet but it's pretty incredible stuff watching it from our end not knowing much about the history like being there or whatnot but just I don't know. And it's it's really amazing considering you were already picking up on that back, you know, years ago. And then this season, you go back out there and identify more of the paved stone area. Like we call it your discovery all the time between us, mm -hmm. you know, like this is a uh, this is a Tony thing. So yeah. it's you know what? There's there's always more questions you find with this. Every everything you find, it's not so much as an answer. It's just another question. It's like, really? <laughs> you, know, you know what? Oh, it's amazing. It's 
Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, to look back from season one to now and just and, and reevaluate some of those early finds, but just through a different lens, through different eyes as well. Yeah. And having and having all the support staff there now, and um, and just as I said, different eyes taking a different view on it, and saying, well, that's this, or that could be that. And I mean, it's Steve's measurements, you know, when it came back uh, to those, you know, that particular size, it's like, holy, that's that's a substantial piece of real estate. Yeah, when I think about that size of that paved road, uh, paved stone area, and I kind of try to get those dimensions in my brain, what I come up with is about a quarter of a like American football field is the dimensions ish. And that's a sizable area. What were they doing with that back 1600s or whenever it was constructed? It's just, it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And something else that you had uh, said in the past on the show is that you believed that the swamp used to be just a channel between two islands. How, how do you feel about that these days after hearing some more stuff, you know, with uh, Dr. Spooner, what he's been doing out there and everybody else's opinions? I mean, Dr. Spooner is amazing. Yeah, and he's a, such a nice guy. It's I whether the island, whether it was two separate islands or whether it was a big lagoon, I definitely feel that the swamp was open at one stage to to the ocean, and you can see that with the depths as you go around the island. Uh, once you get to the South Shore Cove, there you can see all the way into the shore. Um, you're in about fifteen, you know, fifteen, sixteen feet of water. And then it comes up quite abruptly to where the, the swamp area is. And so I, I believe that it was probably open to the ocean at, at some stage. And whether it was a landing area or whether it was an area they careened or worked on sailing vessels, I don't know. You know, it's, there's so many odd things about Oak Island. There really is. Uh, classic Oak Island. Classic Oak Island, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's fun to imagine it being two islands. It's fun to imagine it being an inlet. I wish we had, you know, we, we're getting more and more data all the time, it seems. And with what Dr. Spooner's doing, I, I figure, like, I have confidence that he's probably going to really nail down what exactly happened because he's such a professional. But um, it's just amazing that people were there, you know, basically – 100 years before the discovery of the money pit, 200 years before the discovery of the money pit, and doing what? It's it's just kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nova Scotia's like that. I mean, you know, it's people have been here, you know, really since the Viking times. If you look at Newfoundland with the Leonsal Meadows there, I mean, they were up there in the 1090s. You know, so there was a new, there's a Newfoundland, obviously a Newfoundland, um, in Newfoundland there's a Viking settlement up there. And it's not conjecture; it's, it's an actual village you can go and visit. That's so, you know, so cool. you know, that's you're looking at 300 years before Columbus. Yeah, that's wow. pretty incredible stuff. When you really think about it, because Columbus was a long time ago, and then 300 years beyond that, it's just I'm gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. So, how different is working on Oak Island from, say, like other projects that you do? It's working on Oak Island. I mean, the team is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when you're doing a job, I mean, it's, there's a, a finite time. It's a start and a finish where with something like Oak Island, everything that's found is, is a new discovery it can take you down a new path. And so, you know, seven years on, you know, we're still going here. As far as the conditions and the circumstances, it's, it's not too much different from some of the other stuff I've done in the past. You know, as I said before, the swamp is not that much different to a sewer. In fact, it's nicer than a sewer. <laughs> but obviously, with um, if you're looking at uh, the ocean, I mean, the ocean around here, the best time to dive the ocean is now, is in um, May when it's cold and you don't have the plankton growth and the algal bloom. So this is when our water is clearest. Mm-hmm. Or December, January, when it's tailing off after the summer. It's, it's it's the opposite of what you'd think. Everybody would think, oh, let's go diving in the summer. But it's it's actually this time of year when we have the best visibility. Oh, look at that. I just so. learned something new. <laughs> well, that typically happens with these interviews. We learn all sorts of new stuff. So true. So yeah. true. That's great. Hey, uh, quick, um, your hat. Yes. We see, we've seen that symbol on the island once or twice. I think he might have. Yeah, so yeah. he's wearing a uh, a Freemason hat for the audio listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is there any story behind that, the hat that you're wearing? This particular one uh, was given to me by my, my good friend and brother, Charles Barkhouse. Uh-huh. Mm. That guy's so, awesome. Um, 
Carry on. And that guy is awesome. I, I would love to, you know, we were hoping this week to go on one of his tours, oh, but maybe later. He's, uh, I don't know, he's, oh. he's an encyclopedia about Oak Island, right? Oh, Charles is amazing. There's nothing about Oak Island that he doesn't know. He, he really is a walking encyclopedia of Oak Island. And he, not only that, but as he's such a nice guy, like he always treats my little girl with respect. And, you know, he, he, um, she loves going to visit, you know, to see Charles as well. You know, cool. it's, he, he's a fantastic, fantastic person. That's really cool. I was going to say, before we get too far off the swamp in this, I want to talk about this ship in the swamp. Or is that uh-huh. a ship? This has been a kind of a debate between you know, all the different people we've interviewed or anybody we've talked to. Yeah, Laird, to ship or not to ship? Laird isn't so sure. What's your opinion? Um, I would like there to be a ship in the swamp, <laughs> but whether there is or not, I don't know. An interesting theory is that if that platform was where they unloaded a ship, then maybe the ship was actually broken up and the timbers used in the creation of the money pit. I like so, that. Yeah. So you've got to, when, when people talk about um, different ways in to the money pit or the area where a treasure was buried, see, everybody thinks about the digging down of the money pit. But you see, you've got to remember the money pit was never created going down. The money pit was created coming up. Yep. So if there was an alternate entrance into the money pit, then maybe the money pit always existed. Maybe the money pit was a naturally formed uh, vent or cave vent shaft. And so that a treasure might have been hidden, Mm -hmm. um, be it in the swamp or in the upland area. And then when they made their exit, they exited through the cave vent and just created Mm. platforms on the way out. Ooh, I yeah, like that. Yeah, Deidre is really into so, the so it's entrance. a completely different look on it. Uh-huh, yeah, I yeah. like it. Deidre's really into the entrance from the side and uh, kind of what you're saying. So mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of fun to hear. I'm hoping. I'm I'm hope I'm hopeful that uh, that that something like that can be proven at some point. Who knows what they're going to do with this next season? They're talking about possibly a big dig of the money pit and uh, you know doing a big wide hole, you know, up to a hundred plus feet. So um, yeah, I mean. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's been so much work done over the years in the money pit site. It's so hard to see, um, is it searcher, is it depositor? And with the movement, oh. you know, um, stuff ends up in different places. Yeah. You know, so was this from here or was this from there? You know, and you, you've seen that probably with Marty's Tooney as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if stuff is moving around down there in channels, then you know where you know where is it? Or how far do these go? Where do they go? Yeah. You know, so it's um you know it would be a great idea, and um, if it's if it's done slowly, um, as Laird said, if you recover um, move the layers off slowly, who knows what shafts or or um, artifacts you'll recover on the way down. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, it, it, they. Um, what was it? Uh, Marty said it could take up to three years. So for to do the big dig. So it sounds like that's the approach they would take. You know, nice and slow, getting each layer upon layer off the mm-hmm. top, and then you can really see exactly what everything is. So pretty intriguing. I'm hoping they do it. It's like I was. I think I t- was talking to, when we were talking to Laird. I said something like uh, the money pit is such a hodgepodge because everybody's been in there and don't know exactly what is where. And that's why he's not super concerned with, uh, you know, taking it methodically like he would anywhere else because it's already all disrupted and kind of destroyed archaeologically. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you do the big dig, I I, I don't think it's going to, it's not going to hurt much because it's already all compromised. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And the other thing is, Stuff gets churned up and, and turned up here every year. And it's with the violent storms that we have here in the North Atlantic. And you would have seen some of those with the hurricane last year. Yeah. You know, that's why so much stuff gets gets turned over. And then even in the winter, when the ground freezes, um, what happens is it brings larger objects up mm-hmm. to the surface when that freeze and thaw happens as well. Mm-hmm. So stuff does move around. And even to the fact that even boulders are moved by the ice. Wow. 
<laughs> that's uh those are pretty heavy too you know so it's not like uh it's not like it's moving a pebble so no it's just it's crazy to us to consider all that movement underground uh, because it's something we never really considered as just viewers but I don't know. Seeing what the Toonie did and seeing what is being proposed and seeing experts like, uh, you know, yourself now, uh, Terry Matheson on the show, mm-hmm. talking about the fluidity under there. It's just. It's a lot. Yeah, it's 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 uh, mind blowing for the viewers. <laughs> yeah. Well, even the shoreline, guys, because, you know, when people are talking about stuff moving, you know, they'll say, well, how can this be found or that be found you know, near the surface or even on the surface? But again, if you get a freeze at low tide here, then what can happen is it, it can literally go from zero, you know, minus five to minus 20. And so what we find is moorings and things like that, boulders are actually picked up in sheets of ice as the tide rises and picks that ice sheet out. And then it'll float out to sea and uncover whatever's below it. That's crazy. Wow. That's really cool, though. That's like... Uh, uh, that's that's it, us again learning right mm-hmm. that's something we would never have considered so that's really cool to hear because who the heck knows what happened like say say the money pit is uh 200 years older than 1795 date i mean what's happened in the 500 years almost since that time who knows anything could have happened oh that's so true yeah that's some great insight for us as viewers too just because like you know we're we're not very close to the island, so we just don't have that experience of knowing how rapidly and how it changes where you're at compared to where we are. And I think that's important for viewers to really understand and have a good, I don't know, be able to get their head around. It's it's like, um, say, the, the Florida coast where, where Gary lives as well, is every time there's a storm, stuff washes up from those, mm-hmm. those fleets, 1715 fleets and so on, every year. And it's the same here. But we have thousands and thousands of shipwrecks around the coast of Nova mm-hmm. Scotia. And so another interesting thing there is there's not many things we know for sure, 100%, but I believe for sure whoever came to Oak Island did not come in one ship. You know, they would have come in a fleet, same as the 1715 fleet, not only for protection, but to share the assets or the treasure out amongst the fleet. Mm-hmm. And with our rough weather here and our storms, I can almost guarantee that not all of them made it. Mm-hmm. So whatever was placed down in the money pit or on Oak Island, there's probably still a portion of that on the bottom of the ocean out there waiting for somebody to find as well. By somebody, you mean you to find, right? If I get very lucky one day. <laughs> we're, we're really going to cross our fingers for you. Thank you. So Deidre and I were treasure hunters as well, just not as we're, grand, I guess. Yeah. You know, we do we do some local tre- like treasure hunting in the United States. But um, for us, you know, I've said it a couple of times, we know how extremely hard digging is for a buried treasure. Our treasures that we look for are like three feet deep, you know, four feet deep. They're not, you know, 200 feet deep. One of the things that we try to do with when we're on our podcast is talk about or kind of um what do you what would I say like tell people how just get the point across of how difficult it is to find anything buried beneath your feet, you know, even if it's just a couple feet beneath your feet. So because, uh, you know, online there's some criticism like they didn't find anything this you know today or whatever on the show and it's like you don't get how difficult treasure hunting is because mm-hmm. it's so hard to find something if you even if you know the x marks the spot if you're off by an inch you're, you're off, off by a mile exactly so um, we always try to uh, get that point across to our listeners and we've we i think they run with that you know they accept that and they're like hey these guys might be might be telling us uh, something we don't see on TV, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hard to know when you're not there. Yes, so true. You know, and as you said, you know, if you even if you know X marks the spot, and so you've got a, a, a finite position to search there, that's great if you're thinking it from a land point of view. Mm-hmm. But try doing that in a hundred feet of water, you know, and uh, when you've got to go up and down in the water column as well. Oh my so gosh. if you can drop a shot line from the surface, by shot line, I mean a, a big weighted object on a line to the bottom. And if by chance that magically lands on your X marks the spot, 
And if, um, if the currents aren't too strong, depending on what the medium of the bottom is, you know, then you can start your search in that area. But being at those sort of depths as well, mm. you have a, a decompression profile you have to follow. So your bottom time might only be 20 minutes. Wow. And then so if the weather blows you out and you've got to come back the next day, then you've got to find that X marks the spot again if it's not permanently marked and then start over again. That's got to so, be extremely frustrating. Yeah, but sometimes you get lucky as well. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what you guys know from treasure hunting. Mm -hmm. you, know, that's, you, know, you can have one guy next to you with a metal detector and then another guy further up the beach and you can walk the same area and one person gets lucky, one doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yep. it's skills and luck. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That's, man, only 20. If you think about that and you put it in that perspective and you only have really 20 minutes to search when you're down there, I mean, that's under the wire. That's tough. Yeah. And I mean, you can play with different gas mixtures and things yeah. to, to, um, you know, to give you more bottom time. But um, and again, here, it's, it's with the weather as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to get a, a straight run of good weather can be challenging as well. Yeah. Is there a possibility that something like the lead cross could have been from some kind of wreck that eventually made its way to the Smith's Cove, the shore of Smith's Cove? Oh, definitely. And not been definitely. from like a, an Oak Island treasure, but I mean, it could be still. Yeah. Or it could be an Oak Island treasure, as we said before, that never actually made it to the Island. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could be part of a fleet that's, you know, or a ship that's off the coast there somewhere as well. Yeah. And I mean, that happens all the time here where different stuff is uncovered on shipwrecks every year. And not just, that's not just Nova Scotia. That's the south of England. That's, you know, all Scotland, Ireland, all over. You know, it's, it's the storms, Florida, for instance, that'll turn that sort of stuff up. So it's like a big washing machine. Yeah, Gary. Well, mm -hmm. Gary yeah. says it sometimes on the show that he's excited when there's some kind of storm because, hey, guess what? Things got churned up. There's new things to find, right? And that's exactly what you're saying. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, the, the whole um, the whole area can change in a, in a winter season, and you'll see that this year with Hurricane Dorian. Um, some of those islands there, we lost ten feet of shoreline. Wow. So yeah. with that sort of erosion, you know, not only is the shoreline getting turned over. But the soil from above is coming down as well. So any artifacts that were in there are getting pulled down to the, the shoreline as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. For viewers at home, we don't ever consider that kind of stuff. So this is very educational. And so if you look at um, all around the uh, southern side of the island, you would have seen the roadway um, by the swamp taken out mm -hmm. by that storm we had a couple of years ago. Well, this year with Hurricane Dorian, and, and not just Dorian, the following week, mm -hmm. we had a storm that did more damage. Mm, wow. And it was, for to coin a phrase, it was the perfect storm. <laughs> so what we had was a full moon and high tide when the storm hit. Mm. So it caused way more damage than what Hurricane Dorian did. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we saw a little bit of the damage, you know, I think on the show it showed Rick and Scott Barlow mm -hmm. going up the road and taking notes of things, but it didn't um, really, sh you know, they didn't want to go into any of the recovery process or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, we and we, we had heard that there was another really powerful storm on Oak Island, so, uh, or in your area. So how, how far away do you live from the island? Like, are you pretty Ten far? Kilometers. Hmm? 10 kilometers. Okay, that's pretty close. Okay, that's pretty close, yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. That's neat. So you're like so right I'm down there pretty much every day. Or not, if I'm not on the island, then I'm around the island. Mm. So wow. pretty much every day. That's fun. That's cool. Yeah, so do you um, You have your company, Salty Dog Sea Tours, right? Uh -huh. And so um, you give tours of the of what Mahone Bay and where else do you, the Salty Dog go? Well, we are uh, predominantly around Oak Island. So I base myself out of the Oak Island Resort and Marina. Mm -hmm. And so what, um, with the tourist uh, popularity of the show, uh, we're finding people are coming in on cruise ships. People are coming and planning their holidays to Nova Scotia purely to go to Oak Island mm -hmm. and see the local attractions there. And so um, with the charter business I have with Salty Dog, mm -hmm. what I do is I take people out around the island from the boat so they get a different perspective. That's so cool. they see the island 
how the uh, depositors would have come originally, so from the ocean. So you get to see the ocean uh, view of the island there. And so as we go around the island, you also get a bird's eye view of things, um, obviously the Smith's Cove, uh, the South Shore Cove area there. And also you get a closer view of um, other parts of the island. So where the sawmill was down by Plum Island mm -hmm. way as well. And with the sounders I have on the boat, you can actually see the bottom topography as well. So you can see where the reefs are around the island mm. and you can see where the deeper areas are. And that's interesting that you should mention that, Dustin, because you'll, you'll see that on the south shore side and then also on the northern side, where the, so the apex of the swamp and then the, um, the base of the swamp, that those are the two deep areas around Oak Island. Cool. So pretty much you couldn't get a ship in anywhere else around Oak Island because of the shallow reefs. Well, well, well. <laughs> That's really cool. I would. So we were going to be, like our, our tour was canceled for this week, and one of the things we were going to do is go on a ride with you. It's unfortunate that didn't happen, but uh, it will in the future, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. But we... I don't know. That's really cool that you show your guests and your passengers on the boat the, that kind of uh, detail because it's definitely something you never, ever, ever see on the show. So it's a whole new perspective, like you said, and that's really exciting. I can't wait to go do it. The idea of it being from the depositors perspective just kind of, you know, struck me. That's just a great way to put it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting there, Deirdre, is that um, as you approach Oak Island, you can also see the dangers that would have um, been there as far as the depositors or those people in the sailing ships coming in those days. They didn't have GPS and sounders. Mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to know the depth of the water, you literally had a, a sailor up the far end throwing the lead or slinging the lead to find the depth of the water. And so around Apple Island, which you've also seen on the show, Frog Island, there's a sheep ledge, all these tricky little reefs as you approach Oak Island. Hmm. So it wasn't an easy place to get to. It's got some natural booby traps. <laughs> oh, definitely. Overall, I mean, it's it's doing uh, the show is uh, doing good and helping well, you yeah. with your business. Uh, what other what else has it helped with for as far as Nova Scotia tourism? I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but it's it's really helped a lot, right? Oh, definitely. Like my my whole tour business is based on the TV show and showing people around, um, not just Oak Island, but around the islands as well. And for tourism, this has been phenomenal. Just last year alone, um, we saw so many millions of dollars coming to Nova Scotia purely because of Oak Island. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's not just Oak Island itself that's getting these tourists because while people are here, they want other things to do. So it's the local restaurants, it's the other attractions, it's the uh, the hotels, the resorts. Mm -hmm. And then when people are here, you know, they want to see the other things that are involved with Oak Island. And some people want to go up to New Ross and visit mm -hmm. the Ross Farm where Carmen works. Yeah. Others mm -hmm. want to go down to um, Birchtown to see the Loyalist community where Sam Ball used to live for a while. So there's all these other spots. And then there's the ovens, which is a cave system just down the road here. Mm -hmm. And that's where we talk about where the um, prior pirates and privateers mm -hmm. of old used to stash stuff. Mm -hmm. And some people have um, sort of drawn an analogy between the ovens and Oak Island itself. <laughs> and was that sort of structure, those cave systems on Oak Island as well? That is just so fascinating to me. I mean, I absolutely, wow. So <laughs> I would, much knowledge going on yeah, right now. I, I would totally love to kind of, you know, if we, when we were going to be coming there next time, whenever we do get there, we want to hit all those spots too, you know, because uh -huh. it just makes sense as a super fan uh, kind of perspective, yeah. you know. Seriously. We got to do it all. <laughs> yeah. And have a mug and anchor beer as well. Oh, yeah. Or <laughs> two. Or, you know. <laughs> um, I'm actually very curious. So what is, in regards to the Oak Island mystery and the treasure, what is either your favorite theory? What do you think is happening there or happened? Oh, I would love it to be Templar, obviously. <laughs> you know, that, that would just be marvelous. And um, I love the whole idea that 
you know, maybe the Templars found an amazing treasure in Jerusalem and maybe it was spirited away. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you've got to remember the Templars were in Jerusalem around 1183. Mm -hmm. oh, and so <laughs> from, you know, that, there's so much history involved in that. And they were known as the poor knights, you know, because they, um, they pretty much gave everything to become a Templar, and um, so, and in fact, uh, one of their early symbols is um, of two knights on one horse because it was to show the, the poverty of the order. Mm. And um, the thing that changed them uh, or their fortunes was um, was Pope Innocent when he uh, decreed that they could go between borders and were free, and they did not have to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. So that uh, that really helped them as far as. Uh, you know, any of their crusades, the artifacts that were recovered belonged to them. Mm. And, and so if it was a temple of treasure, then, you know, I, I would love to think that that was somewhere around Oak Island mm -hmm. or on Oak Island. Yeah, that's that's my uh, number one hope as well, right? What's uh, Deidre wants the uh, Shakespeare stuff. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, she, I, she wants... <laughs> no, I'm rooting for Samuel Ball to have gotten away with part of it, though. Like, that's... <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I like I like I like Samuel Ball a lot, you know, because if you look at the properties that he owned on Oak Island, you know, and it's if you were truly farming, you know, cabbages there, it would have been very nice from a farmer's point of view to have all your properties joined together. So it would make your farming enterprise easier. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case with Samuel. He had these things dotted all over and he didn't, he paid for these out of his own money. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until 1808, I believe that he finally petitioned the uh, powers that be for the granting of him as a piece of land for being a loyalist. And uh, so he didn't come into possession, I believe of the money pit area until 1808. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's, you know, that's well, while they're already doing their thing there, right? That's uh, a couple years after they found what's uh, said to be the 90-foot stone. So that's pretty interesting stuff. He was right in the thick of it. Yeah. And if you look at his neighbor as well for a while, the Captain Anderson, you know, mm -hmm. it's there's a lot of history in there. You know, when you look at um, an American privateer turning to the British and then obviously having to get out of Dodge. So in that golden age of piracy and privateering, Nova Scotia was a hotbed of piracy and privateers because not only could they um, prey on the ships going between Europe and um, South America, but they could uh, anybody that was lost or damaged in a storm or ships coming in here on the way past would be prey as well. Mm -hmm. And so we also have a very famous wreck out here called the Teaser, and she was an American privateer, the mm -hmm. young Teaser. Mm -hmm. And so she was actually harried not far from Oak Island by HMS Orpheus and HMS Hogue. So her wreck is out there somewhere between Rayfuse and Masons and off Oak Island too. Mm. So there's all kinds of, of history here as well. So, you know, um, in fact, one of the world's most successful pirates, he had his base out of Newfoundland as well. Mm. So that was Peter Eason. So it's, yeah. you know, there's yeah. all kinds of, of pirate and um, privateer history here as well. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, incredible history. Um, do you ever go look for the teaser yourself? Um, I've been out diving here lots, and especially this time of year, pretty much the last two weeks, every nice day I get out, I'm on the water there. Nice. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you never know what you're going to come across here. Sure. I mean, obviously, with the, the treasure trove act the way it is, we can't take anything from these wrecks anyway. But it's... Um, it's a fascinating thing just to go out and see or be part of history. You know, if you look at the missing pay ships for Fort Lewisburg, mm -hmm. you know, or the other wrecks around here, to, to be part of finding something like that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, you're doing your part to be part of the history books for things off of Oak Island, but you're definitely part of the history books for Oak Island too. So, um, yeah, th that whole area is just really fascinating. I, I can't wait to go and visit it ourselves and um, 
take your tours and whatnot and learn more about the land itself because from the TV show, we don't learn a whole lot, but there's plenty of history books and studying I could do on, you know, the internet and whatnot. So yeah, but there's, there's no ways to do it. Like- asking tony i know oh we got tony right here so this is this is an amazing history lesson just like like this you know Uh, exactly yeah so i don't know i just i love the area and i love uh what you guys do there it's just it's amazing and kind of mind-blowing that this thing's still been going on for you know 200 some years right seriously it's and that's it i mean the, the approach the team brings to it is is phenomenal it's it really is a quest and i i honestly don't care if it's treasure is found or not it's the friendships that have come from this have been amazing as well and you know for, for my little girl Izzy to grow up with this as well mm-hmm. it's and and to see the friendships that have come out of it it's it's phenomenal it really is that's really cool we've heard that from a, a number of people and i of course 100 percent agree the people we've met just tre- on our own treasure hunting adventures they're they're really valuable to us but you can tell it's like what they say it is a fellowship it's the camaraderie between all of you guys i'm sure there's a lot of really hilarious stories too so i'm hoping you're gonna share some with us oh geez no we've had a lot of fun we really had um over over the years um the mug and anchor uh get togethers they're they're pretty awesome oh i I think it was i can't remember if it was season one or season two when the cameras had actually stopped. And uh, after a couple of beers, and um, I think me and Marty broke into a verse of Crunk and Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's funny. So, yeah, it was we, – we have had a lot of fun. And um, it's – the team works well together, and then you, you play well together as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it really is cool. Is that where that rumor started, um, or is that where what happened when? Because uh, somewhere out there, Maddie Blake has said that you're uh, the most fun karaoke singer or something of the team. <laughs> How did that start? What, what, what's with that? Oh, that was um, we were on the boat one day, <laughs> and we were coming into South Shore Cove there, and I I can't remember if it was Drunken Sailor or Barrett's <laughs> Privateers, but well, I broke into a verse of that. That's fine. But quite often you'll hear on the charters as well, somebody might break into a verse of something or other. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That sounds really good. That's fun. It's all about the having the fun, right? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't have fun, why do it? Come on now. Exactly. <laughs> You're a long time dead. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So something I've been curious about, uh, do you have any want or do you is there any part of you that wants to participate in in going into borehole 10x in the future ever um it's i spoke to a, the last diver down 10x um from the old days mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. was pretty certain that there was nothing down there um and he said that in those days you know, with the dynamiting and stuff that had gone on um it had changed what was down there anyway mm-hmm. And he thought that it might have actually increased the size of, of 10X. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing with 10X now is when you look at the, the transfer of, of material between you know, um, the money pit area, it's like it seems to be almost like a current or a movement of stuff down there, as, as proven with Marty's coin as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would hate to rule anything out. You know, I really would. Yeah, but you're not itching to get down there ever. It doesn't hold a great desire for me. <laughs> it's yeah. not high on that bucket list. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. I, w- I probably wouldn't want uh, to go anywhere near that. <laughs> it's, it, when John Chatterton went down there, it seemed pretty treacherous anyway. So, you know. Yeah. it's um, well, My buddy Mike was a uh, safety diver for that one. Mm. Yeah. And so when when he was down, um, I believe it was the, the from 180 to 220, in the um in the shaft there going across from to the chamber mm-hmm. you know it's it's interesting to see that if there was a current there if it's changed now with with the boring that's gone up in the um money pit area mm-hmm. yeah so again the dye tests if they had been conclusive as far as you know where the dye was coming out you know that would have interested me as well mm-hmm. okay gotcha. you know, see there was dye you know in the possibly in the Smith's Cove area, but there was also talk of 
vents in the South Shore Cove side, yeah. the ice holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's there's definitely something weird going on under the island for sure. I mean, that makes I mean makes sense to me. We already know we have a solution channel under there and all kinds of movement. Now, you also you mentioned treasure hunting. You started when you were young, right? Uh-huh. So what other treasure hunts have you potentially worked on besides Oak Island and or at least ones that interest you? Shipwrecks are, are my passion. I, I really, you know, I'm all about the the shiny stuff underwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spendables. But, um, yeah, um, metal detecting on land. Um, I've done that in the UK, um, also New Zealand, Australia. Um, I've been fortunate to travel a lot of places around the world with the diving mm. and um, the treasure hunting as well. But mainly it's shipwrecks that, that fascinate me. Do you have and a some favorite of one? These shipwrecks end up on land, obviously. Oh, yeah, naturally. Do you yeah. have a favorite one you've dove on? Oh, favorite for different reasons. Theory, mm. Like yeah, every, every place, um, it's not necessarily about the, the gold and silver. You know, sometimes it's just about going down there and seeing something. The German high seas fleet up in the Orkney Islands in Scotland is, is one of those. The wreck of the Chiara off Swanage in England is another one. Um, then you've got oh, the Oligomite down, um, down in the South Pacific off New Zealand there. Then, uh, oh, there's tons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have a lot <laughs> so, of favorites. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's fun. Um, I'm glad this is being recorded because I've never heard of any of those myself, but I can go back and listen to this and <laughs> write those down and, and find out more about those because that kind of stuff fascinates me too. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know, just the history of it all, you know, I'm never going to probably go down and dive on any of it myself. I'm kind of scared of water, to be honest. <laughs> like, uh, but, uh, you know, just the learning the history behind it all is just, it's almost as much of a reward. It's not really because you're down there diving it, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like on, if that's what I can get into concerning those things, I mean, I'm happy to do so because I love learning that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's so important there. What you just said, Dustin, because what you're doing is it's, it's almost bringing um, those stories and those people back to life mm-hmm. by reading, you know, by reading and researching this stuff. Um, one of my favorites here locally is the wreck of the SS Atlantic. And so, you know, everybody's heard of the Titanic, mm-hmm. but not many people have heard of the Atlantic. And she was White Star Line, same as the Titanic. Okay. And she was bringing immigrants to the U.S., same as the Titanic. And so what happened there was she was running low, believe she was running low on coal. So on April Fool's Day, 1873, she rode up on the rocks just outside of uh, Terence Bay, out of Sambro there, mm-hmm. um, just south of Halifax. Mm-hmm. And um, so you've got to think, freezing cold water on April on April the 1st, every single woman on board died that night. Oh. So because in those days the married quarters were midships aft. Mm-hmm. So when she broke in half on Golden Rule Rock and the stern section went below the waves, it took with it all the women and children on board. Wow. That's so sad. So, And that is another wreck site that moves constantly with the rough weather. But that whole story of the SS Atlantic is amazing. And a lot of people don't realize that she was White Star Line. Mm-hmm. So we, there's a private museum just on um, the wreck site there where you can go and visit and see artifacts from the wreck of the SS Atlantic there as well. So that's another thing for you to do. I was going to say, um, I have a list to update. So yeah, when we get to Nova Scotia one of these days, we're going to be all around it. Yeah, you know, it might take be... more than a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness, yes. And it's a beautiful place, too. Oh, just, yeah. That, you know, on top of all the history, right? So. Yes. What could be better than lobster and beer? <laughs> Nothing that I can think of. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, come on now. So you get to spend a lot of time with the different members of the fellowship. If you were going to trade with someone or try someone else's task, who would you try to be or want to learn about their job for a day? Oh, that's that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, we all get to you know, play a little bit and, you know, either helping each other out, mm-hmm. like whether it's at the wash table or, mm-hmm. you know, in the swamp um, as a team. But I think 
I think uh, Laird for a day. Oh. That's fun. Yeah, Laird would be it. I love the archaeological side to it as well and the history. So, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, based off of our conversation with the history and all that, you're doing it underwater versus. (laughs) You know, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to get a wetsuit on Laird and send him out with you. (laughs) Let's do that. Yeah, that could be that could be fun. <laughs> that Sold. Be Let's do it. Yeah, right on. Yeah, John's got an agreement though. Like, um, there's there's uh, he says that the uh, sharks stay in the water. Okay. And he stays on the land, so he doesn't go in the water. The sharks don't go on the land. That's a that sounds fair. <laughs> uh, it's a good treaty to have. I mean, it's fair. I mean, I like that. Yeah, Charles seems yeah, really that, cool. Charles is awesome. Yeah, he's just um, him and. It's amazing to see the work he does along with Paul, Doug, just and even like Dave Blankenship, you know, he's been on the island forever. I mean, all of his tidbits of information must be super invaluable to you and to the others. And like Dan Henske, you know, all of those guys that have been around there forever and just know everything about the island. Dan, Dan Henske is one of the smartest, kindest men I've ever met. He he is phenomenal. He he. He can take something to pieces, and he will have a um a schematic in his in his mm-hmm. mind. He can walk away, have lunch, come back and and put it all together. And he is unbelievable. He really is. That's amazing. Yeah, he seems like a I don't know. I would love to pick his brain. Oh like, yeah, it would be just fun because you could tell that he just remembers everything, like you said. Yeah, and it's such a nice guy as well. Yeah. Such a nice guy. I believe it. He seems like it. Yeah, like uh, yeah, you. You work with uh, Jack Bagley uh, pretty often, do you not? I do, yes. Yeah, he, he seems like a fun guy, too, because he's just like the most enthusiastic person we see on TV. <laughs> like Seriously. probably on any show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Jack and um, and Gary to an extent as well. Um, they're sort of like the Energizer bunny. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Yeah, and they so you, you, you wind them up and off they go. And <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, they seem super cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're phenomenal. They really are. Yeah. Um, Jack is so enthusiastic, and um, he's such a—he's fun to hang out with as well. See, quite often you'll find myself and Jack and Gary in the pub on a Friday night. <laughs> that sounds like a good place to be, right? Yeah. yeah it's, so, yeah, we heard um, a small interview with you and with Jack on the uh, Booze and Bourbon podcast a couple months ago, and uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, our friends Kim Moser and uh, Jen Taylor, uh, we you know we were also on that podcast, right? Yeah, because so, it's all about Oak Island. But yeah, they're they're super cool, and we I think you're friends with them, right? Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, J- uh, Jen and Kim are awesome. They're super enthusiastic about the area and the island, and so they're just they're great to talk to about yeah. it. And I've got a secret for you too. Uh oh, a secret. Oh. Yes. Well, tell us. They're Kim's, not going to listen to this. Kim's actually done her um, skipper's ticket, <gasps> and she will be captaining one of my boats uh, in the hopefully not too distant future when all this virus stuff gets over and oh, done. Oh, how cool! Yeah, we've become pretty good friends with her. Would you be offended if we uh, uh, went on her boat instead of yours? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a Make party barge. <laughs> no, we'll just have to take multiple trips. Duh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, she's cool. And their podcast is a lot of fun. Yeah, we um, enjoy it. Yeah. If if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, you could go and find Booze and Bourbon on like Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. And I think it was in early November is when that podcast yep. aired. So you go ahead and go check that out. It was a lot of fun to, it was to fun. be part of it. Right? That was so, the Halloween one from memory. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good stuff. All right, so do we have some questions from some fans? We do. So let's see here. Let's start with, we had one from Amy, and she asked, what was your defining moment that made you a believer, or was there one as far as with the Oak Island treasure? Um, Probably after reading books over a decade ago, Mm -hmm. you know, that intrigued me about Oak Island. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I actually moved to Nova Scotia uh, that I realized, you know, from all the shipwrecks and that that were around this area, that there was something definitely strange about Oak Island. Um, just going there for the first time 
and being on Oak Island. You know, every every place you go to, everything you visit on Oak Island, you know, I don't know how many times we've said on the show, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's, there's so much stuff that's there that it's like, why is this here? You know, how did it get here? You know, and it's like you said before, did, did some of it wash up mm-hmm. from a shipwreck that was out there off the coast or some of it deposited here? You know, if so, why? And then you look at the different nationalities of, of the artifacts that have been found. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's the weird factor that convinced me you know, that there was something on Oak Island. Maybe it was something that was there and has been found or partially found. You know, I like the idea that Sam Ball might have found some mm-hmm. of it. But um, I definitely believe that there is something and uh, on Oak Island. The weird factor. I like that. The weird factor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. If you weren't a diver, this is from a question from Agnes. Um, if you weren't a diver, what would you be doing? Oh, I would be on the charter boat taking people around Oak Island and telling them about <laughs> yeah. the history and the mystery of Oak Island. Of course. Um, yeah. No, I am living my dream. I really yeah. am. That's awesome. Well, and, lucky um, you get to do The both. beautiful thing is it's even in the summer um, when my daughter's off school, she gets to come out and she co-narrates with me because, <laughs> you know, she's growing up with this. So I have a bad day when she gets better tips than what I do. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good competition. I yeah. like it. That's probably, that's uh, it's, it. No, it's phenomenal. It's, it's great. And to see people come to Nova Scotia and learn a, about history and that, that had no idea about Oak Island or about what a magical place this is. Mm-hmm. So I'm living my dream. Well, so looking back, say, 20 years from now, what are you going to be the most proud of? Oh, <laughs> probably the fact that, um, you know, the pure joy that I've got out of the show and that is, that is brought to my family in that as well. That's you know, I, I never in a million years would have thought that, that you know, something like this would have happened. Mm-hmm. And just the spinoff for the local community, it's, it's phenomenal. It really is. The tourism, you know, people now all around the world know where, Oak Island and Nova Scotia are yeah. because of the TV show. Yeah. You know, and it's it's funny, I was doing a dive job down in Dominican a couple of years ago and uh, we were in the um, pool in the resort as a, as a family afterwards and uh, these lawyers from New York came up, you know, and they're like, you're that diver guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so it's, you know, to, to you know, to find – Nova Scotia mentioned all over the world because of the show is phenomenal. So yeah. I'm I'm so proud to have been part of it. Yeah, well, you're a big part of it too. So I mean, exactly. Yeah, it, you've been around since the beginning. It's um, it's got to be hard to go to the grocery store and not get recognized. It's a small community here, mm-hmm. and in Mahone Bay, we only have 900 people, so we know each other anyway. Uh, that's true. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. All so right. um, we swell in the summer, obviously, with the tourism. Yeah. But it is a small community, and that's what I love about this community as well, is, you know, it doesn't take long for you to know most of the people in the community. That's cool. That's really neat. All right, so we're um, getting down on our questions here. We only got a couple more. But first, uh, can you tell us something that fans probably don't know about you? Like, I don't know, what's a hobby that's not uh, on the sea or what is... um... Oh, all his hobbies are on the sea. Just (laughs) something that... Interesting yeah, that people wouldn't know about you. Yeah. Oh, good grief. Um, I hate winter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you you spend a lot of time in the water in the winter. <laughs> I know. And this is what's wrong with this picture. I hate the cold. <laughs> That's so funny. That, that no, is wrong. My, my poor wife and every, well, everybody who knows me is just like, are you complaining about the cold again? You're, you're in the ocean, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, uh, that, yeah. Hey, you got to do what you love, though. Yeah. We often ask people, are you a Rick? Or are you a Marty? Where do you fall on that spectrum? Like, you mean uh, a like or? Like, toward the treasure. You know? The believer and the skeptic. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, you got your data people. I know, yeah, he's mostly answered this already, but, like, we, we just oh, like to I'm do the, the Rick or the I'm Marty. Yeah, so you're more of a Rick then. He, yeah. But I, I like 
you know, I like um, with Marty's approach, you know, you know, show me the proof. Yeah. And just there's so much history here. And as we said before, it's, you know, it dates back to the Viking time, mm -hmm. you know, with the Leonsdale Meadows up in Newfoundland there. So it's, you never know what's going to turn up on Oak Island, you know. And I remember when somebody said, oh, it can't have been Vikings, you know, Vikings, you know, weren't here. And I'm like, well, actually, we've got a Viking village just up the coast, <laughs> you know. Why not then, so, right? Yeah, I'm definitely a believer there is something on Oak Island, but I, the evidence, again, is just look at the historical artifacts around here. Yeah, well, when we watch Marty throughout this, especially this past season, he's slowly becoming a Rick himself. Yeah. So, you know, because he's getting that data. And, you know, like, look, like we talked about earlier, but look at the, what Dr. Spooner has given us with the swamp that was previously not even they barely even wanted to do anything to do with the swamp at the beginning of the season. And now all they want to do is keep working in the swamp. So the data is showing is lighting a path in front of Marty to bring him mm -hmm. to Rick or bring him to be a, a quote unquote Rick. Right. You know, so it's just, it's fun watching that kind of stuff happen on the show. Oh, definitely. And I've always felt that the, the swamp has got more answers in it, you know, and the data that's being pulled out now, you know, I'm so happy that, you know, Steve has managed to, you know, um, extrapolate out those measurements and it's, it's mind blowing, you know, it, it really is. Yeah. Is there anything you would want listeners to know maybe that they wouldn't normally get from the show or from you or just honestly come and visit Nova okay. Scotia. You know, it's, it's hard. You know, you see a slice of, of life on, on a TV show. And I mean, for every hour of the show, I, I God, I, I've got no idea how many tens <laughs> or hundreds of hours go into that. Yeah. And again, you know, people say, well, why wasn't this done or why wasn't that done? Mm -hmm. Again, you're seeing a tiny slice exactly. of what makes it to the TV show. You know, there is so much more that goes on behind the scenes. You know, there's so much more preparation. You know, it's it's not like you're just walking on the island and, and tripping over a chest. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're hours and hours and hours spent. You know, from my, just from my point of view, like hundreds of hours diving around the coast here. Yeah. You know, and everybody, every every person on this show has that same sort of you know same sort of experience. You know, there's hundreds of hours going just for that slice. Mm -hmm. So come visit Nova Scotia and, and come and see it for yourself. Well, I think, I think you have millions of people that have it at least on their bucket list. You know, right. ev everybody wants to be a part of the legend, you know? So if you get a step of foot on that Island, you're no matter what, you're at least a little tiny bit of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And who knows? You might trip over a gold coin or two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or a rock over on the South shore. Right. Like the guy last, last year, I think his name was Tori. He, yeah. uh, he, uh, found a rock that may have had some kind of runic like inscriptions upon it, you know, <laughs> that was just sitting out there. You never know who knows what's out there. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap up yeah. and we just want to thank you so much for your time, Tony. And this has been a lot of fun. It has. It's been absolutely marvelous. And I thank you guys for your time. And honestly, I, I think Rick and Marty Craig and the rest of the team for, for this marvelous experience and, um, that I've been involved in those guys, uh, they, I think they picked uh, one of the right people to do what you do because you've been very informative on the show. I want to say thank you for being part of the show and thank you for you know joining us today. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Tony. Have a good evening. All right. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye-bye. Yes, stay safe down there. Wow. That was really awesome to get to talk to Tony. How awesome was that? Uh, uh, super awesome. Yeah. Well, he's a larger-than-life figure. Pleasure to talk to. I learned so much. Yeah, he dropped a lot of knowledge bombs there on us. I Some of my favorite things were all the wrecks he was telling us about that are around the islands there. Just so much history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was definitely a history lesson, and we had a good time just chatting with him, and I feel like we're good friends now. Yeah, you know what? I agree. So hopefully Tony's going to come back and talk to us again. Yeah, I think he will. Why not, right? I can't wait to take one of his salty dog sea tours one of these days. When we finally get out to the island. It'll happen. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. All right. So I think that's kind of it. But we just want to thank Tony once again for being a good sport and hanging out with a couple of uh, super fans here. Exactly. Well, hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed it as much as us. And, you know, there might be some more interviews coming. Yeah. And you know what? There's a good chance of that. Uh, what I would like to invite you to do, the listener, if you would like to email us, 
submit questions for our future guests. That would be a great way to interact with them, you know, and get your questions possibly answered. Uh, just email us at G, uh, oakislandpodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, anybody that we may not have got to yet, you know, we can't like spill the beans about who we have lined up. Exactly. But what we can do is just say, hey, if you got questions, maybe we could get some answers, right? Exactly. So get, get us some questions. Get us, fill up our email box and we'll do our best to get those questions answered for you. Yes, even if they're not for a specific person in general, if there's something you want to ask cast member, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Maybe we can uh, lob that question over to them. We might be able to do it. We could do you a solid, right? That's right. <laughs> We're just going to wrap up here by saying uh, that was awesome. We have more awesome stuff coming. We've got lots of great off-season content on its way, including, you know, we've talked about the Harry Potter thing. We're yep. going to do some... We, we, okay, I'm not going to go into it all, but we have a ton of stuff going on. And be here on Fridays for, or not here, but, you know, be on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Oak Island Podcast for Oak Island Trivia Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, right? Correct Correctamundo. Yeah, so, hey, we got lots of stuff going. We're not going to stop with the Oak Island stuff. Boom. Goes the dynamite. Yeah. So until next time. Could it be?